Welcome in to Loho Daily. I'm Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. I'm glad that you're here hanging out with me. And I'm so excited about today's podcast because the king of the geeks makes his triumphant return. Elliot Serrano is here with me, and we are going to talk spoiler-filled Avengers Endgame. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Right. Uh, I'm going to, again, go on record as saying that the title of King of Geeks was given to me by you. A lot of times folks will go to me and say, King of Geeks, where do you get off calling yourself the King of Geeks? I go, I did not dub myself the King of Geeks. You christened me the King of Geeks, which is uh, I, I'm always flattered to say I'm flattered and honored that you've done that. It's the truth, though. I mean, who who's inside more geek stuff than you are? Well, if they're there, they haven't made themselves known yet. I'm, I keep saying, if you want to come come for it, come for it. I think the only person that might have a claim to the throne might be Marcus Lashock. Marcus, yes. Marcus. I, I think he's the most well-rounded geek. He's very well-rounded. He has his areas of expertise, too. Um, the thing I love about Marcus is I think he has an even more – childish glee than I do. I mean, he... You've become yeah. a little more jaded than Marcus has. I know. It's weird. It's it's like we've reversed. <laughs> <laughs> You've become the hard, grizzled veteran geek now. I've seen things. Man. I've seen things. I've seen all sorts of stuff. Because, <laughs> uh, like, Marcus and I were just hanging out at a Star Wars celebration uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were just talking about things, and I introduced him to a couple of folks who work for Read Pop and Disney because Marcus has his new podcast too with the roller coasters. With the roller coasters, I said, "Oh, I know these folks from Disney. You should talk to them." Uh, but yeah, it is so cool. I mean, it, when Marcus and I first started, you know, our little back and forth on social media, I joked to him, "I go, well, you're like my nemesis." You know, I thought it would be like the like a pro wrestling angle. Where it's like you call somebody out, you know, you have a back and forth. Marcus, he's like, why am I your nemesis? What did I do? Because <laughs> he's such a sweetheart. He is. He's such a nice guy. And I'm like, no, it's like it's like we're we're rivals. It's like wrestling. He went, oh. <laughs> oh, that, that whole thing, thing so. with the stuff. But now we're just buddies. Good, because he's a good man. He's a good man to be buddies with. I, um... I want you to get out your thoughts on spoilers. Just go ahead. because We're going to do a spoiler-filled podcast, but I think you have long thoughts about the way people treat it in-game versus the way they treated Game, <laughs> Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. But, right, okay, so if you're listening to this podcast short after the Game of Thrones uh, episode three. Battle at Winterfell. Battle at Winterfell. Um, it just aired on Sunday. So we're recording this on a Monday. Uh, And then Endgame came out on Thursday night. So what were people saying all throughout uh, leading up to the release of Endgame and the entire weekend? No spoilers. No spoilers. Thanos demands your silence, right? Because we were saying, no, people have been waiting all this time for Endgame to come out. And you can't spoil it for them. These are people, you know, they need to be able to go into it unspoiled. And you'd be a jerk. You'd be a jerk if you spoil it for people on social media. Okay, fine. So I was like, cool. And for the most part, people were really cool about not spoiling Endgame. Uh, it's starting to leak more. The boat's gotten a lot leakier now since the opening weekend. Yeah, LaShawn McCoy. 
Uh, one of the NFL players, he was just out here just telling people what happened. Just jibber-jabbering, right? And people like, they should cut him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Thanos would be like, snap, get him yeah, out of he's here. He's out. So um, so I understood that. and I, I mean, you could argue if you don't want to be spoiled by things, you really shouldn't be on social media. Because social media, you can't control what millions of people say on social media. So don't be on social media. But let's be honest. There are people who need to be on social media because it's part of their job. Correct. So that's that's that puts them at a disadvantage. And you can only mute so many people. And you can only put in so many hashtags to tell Twitter to mute or whatever. And um, let's face it. Even if you mute uh, everything Endgame related and Game of Thrones related, images still come up. You know, people don't necessarily tag those things. So fine. People, for the most part, though, Endgame were very, fairly respectable. Game of Thrones comes on. I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to see anything about Game of Thrones because everyone knows you shouldn't be spoiling stuff. Man, that rule got thrown out the window. People were live tweeting it. People already had their their uh, uh, not even out of context memes or context memes. They had like animated gifs of Arya doing her thing, and I'm like. What happened to the, do, you know, Thanos demands your silence or what? Do, shouldn't, like, um, the Starks demand your silence? Should have someone said the White King demands your silence? I don't know. Well, okay. I, I have a, a working theory on this. And the theory is that because Game of Thrones was live and it's a shared experience, that it doesn't fall underneath the same thing for a spoiler because... If you really wanted to watch it, you could. Unless you're working. Unless you're getting it on the streaming service. Unless you're one of the many people who watch it on HBO Go and you're going to catch it later. No, you're right. You're 100% right. All I'm saying is that there, with Avengers Endgame, there is a supply issue that not everyone can get to it. Like Specifically because there aren't enough tickets. And clearly there weren't because it made $1.2 billion worldwide over the weekend. With Game of Thrones, you had access to it even if... Theoretically. Theoretically, you had access to it along with everyone else. Theoretically. Theoretically. I'm not forgiving it. I'm just trying to say that's part of the reason the shared experience of Game of Thrones played itself out and people were so like, whoa, what just happened that they had to vomit it onto Twitter and Instagram? I get that rationale at the same time. Come on. <laughs> you know, and again, and it's the same people who are going, don't spoil Endgame. Don't spoil Endgame. They're the same ones out there yammering about Game of Thrones. I'm like, what happened to the spoiler rule? I mean, I give it a date. Now, here's the thing, just FYI. Twitter, this happens more so on Twitter than on Facebook. Twitter has always been that way about Game of Thrones. There was one season where I watched all the episodes after the fact, after getting utterly spoiled by about them on Twitter. So I'm like, okay, I know what happens here, what happens here, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and I'm going to watch the episode and get the context. So, you know, Twitter has always been about that. I just find it amusing. 
I chuckle to myself that these people who get so adamant, don't spoil Endgame, have no problem spoiling Game of Thrones. So to me, it just on the surface seems very much like a double standard. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I And I admit that I did it. I'm one of the guilty people. But I didn't do it until I saw everyone else doing it. And but, I guess if you see everyone walking off a cliff, are you going to go do that too? Apparently I am. <laughs> well, my only big thing, um, and I, I, me too, was the thing with Ghost. You know, you see uh, John's direwolf ghost in the very beginning charging with the Dothraki. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. You know, we were talking out before this, and we were talking with Tony. You, me, and Tony Gill are talking about Game of Thrones. I did not know Tony was such a huge Game of Thrones fan. He's big into it. He spearheaded our score Game of Thrones podcast that we have now. See, for a guy who doesn't watch any movies or see anything— I, I, I'm just I'm, I'm surprised that this is the one thing that he gets into, and he thinks it's the greatest thing ever. And, and it's and it makes it makes me happy that he yeah. gets so like into what he's seeing. So I wanted to say that that scene in the beginning with the Dothraki charging in the darkness with their flaming swords, swords, or they had a different name for it. they were like scythes or scimitars, but there's a name for them. Um, with ghost, I was just say, oh, this is going to be awesome, and then. Then they just run into the to the Night King and and the uh, the undead like in a cloud of nothing, and I'm like, okay, the Dothraki are dead. Uh, you know, I'll pour forty out for them. But where's Ghost? <laughs> <laughs> so the people didn't matter to you as my. I know that's your thing. That's my thing. I mean, uh, when uh, the night when the Red Wedding took place a, uh, a couple seasons back, yes, Rob Stark so sad. Uh, the mother too bad. The, the pregnant wife, oh, that was tragic. But when they kill his dire wolf, like, penned up, oh, I was so angry. I was literally throwing stuff, and it said, I'm done with this show. I'm never watching it. And Julie DeCaro's like, Elliot, I could have told you that was coming. We all knew that was coming. I said, I don't need to hear this. <laughs> and, and, and But it looks like he's alive. Yeah, Ghost is alive, yes. He's in, he's in the following episode. So all I know is the, the dire wolves better make it to the end is all I'm saying. Because you also have Arya's um, dire wolf still out there somewhere. Sorry, this is supposed to be an end game. That's all right. <laughs> it, it can now be two podcasts <laughs> where we, we talk about what's going on on Game of Thrones. So why don't we just go into that really yeah. quickly? And what was your thoughts? Because I thought that that scene, that scene that you're talking about was chilling. In the very beginning. Yes, because you have that moment of hope where you're like, oh, Oh, everyone's got a flaming sword now. Fair game. Let's go. And then you see like the lights just kind of come up, cup, go out, and you're like, "Oh no, <laughs> this is bad." There, you don't even hear anything from the Dothraki, and then everyone coming back who could make it back. It was, um, it was terrifying. I think. Um the, there was there were pros and cons to the way they set up the episode. As you said, picking to do it at night, kind of like in a – half the time you couldn't tell what was going on. I don't know if it was because of the lighting or because like my feed kept getting pixelated whenever I was watching it. I think that that had to do with the compression that is needed to make it to a streaming platform. Like not to get too technical, but right. I think – that that's why the broadcast version of it and honestly this from what i'm hearing the streaming looked a little off and had we known we could have adjusted 
right. our sets and really smart people did as it right. was going on. But I know that what they'll say is, well, we wanted to give you the sense of the fog of war. Literally the fog of war. I and, mean, yeah. and, and that makes sense because you should be – we should, in the middle of this incredible battle, we should be discombobulated. We should be thrown off. And seeing some of the strategy, like the thing that bothered – the thing that I couldn't see that bothered me the most was the strategy of the White Walkers to be like, you know what? We'll just build a bridge of White Walkers. We'll put out this fire, and then our people are going to run in. I didn't think visually you could see that well enough. Right, right. I mean, in, and in the end, you think it's just the Night King knowing it doesn't matter how many of us you kill. I'm just going to keep replenishing my forces, and we're just going to overrun you with sheer numbers. So um, I kept flashing back, though, to Army of Darkness. Uh, okay, of course you yeah. would. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote the comic for a bit. But there's that, the, you know, if you look at the movie Army of Darkness, uh, Bruce Campbell has a very, there's a very similar battle to them. They're defending a, a castle and, and, and they're defending a point and they're being overrun by the dead. And it's what do you do to stop them? And um, it, there were a lot of things about going, wow, that seems really familiar to me. Um, uh, the, but the horror of it wasn't present in Army of Darkness that was in Game of Thrones. I thought that the scene with Arya running around inside the castle, I thought it was such an homage to every horror film horror that film, we've yeah. ever seen. The uh, I watched the making of episode segment they did after after the the episode played, and they said that very thing is how how Winterfell is supposed to be this place that was all, always been home to the Starks, and it's always brought them comfort. But now they're running for their lives in it, you know, and it's and it's exactly that's become a horror movie. And I, I will say though, Arya though, talk about a badass. You know, at one point it's like, oh, let's see this Batman training of her pays off. Remember, because she spent all that time with the, you know, the faceless ones and doing, I'm like, okay, come on, show me what you got. And whoa. <laughs> and the hound just totally turning into a big baby. I I didn't <laughs> like that at all. Not one bit. There were a couple things that I didn't like. And I'll tell you another thing. I And I people got mad at me. You know who, who I don't want with me in a fight? Sam Tarwell. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know what? You you can go be in the crypt because you're doing us no good out here at all. After insisting he wanted yes. to be out there to fight. Yeah, and that was my <laughs> issue. My issue wasn't that he can't fight. My issue was you you begged to fight when you can't fight and you're putting other people at risk because you can't fight and they have to watch your back. And it's, there's that bit when Jon Snow is, like, fighting his way through all the the walkers, and he's just trying to get to Bran. I mean, he knows the Night King is coming for Bran, and he sees, like, Sam the, just overrun by White Walkers, and you're thinking Jon Snow's going to go for him, and, and he went, no, nah, dude, you're on your own. You're on your own. <laughs> you, know? you wanted to fight? Yep. I, I got bigger things to worry mm-hmm. about, like trying to get through this horde, and I, I thought that was a really interesting strategy for the Night King too. just be like, you know what? I don't, I don't need this right now. So you can fight with all of these guys. Mm-hmm. I'm all, I'm on to bigger and better things. And then, you know, bad stuff happens. Bad to stuff you. happens. And so I'm still trying to figure out what the role of the Three-Eyed Raven is supposed to be. I mean, of course, um, Bran puts himself, puts everyone 
in 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 danger by doing his roll the eyes back and send his ravens off to do something kind of like you know he was setting something up or checking something out and it's just they need to hold the line for as long as they can until you know until the night king shows and then they they draw him out i mean that was supposed to be the whole strategy right draw him out bran is the the bait the night king comes out then you deal with him um and, you know, it, we eventually got there, but the way we got there was really interesting. I don't know if they did a great job explaining how Arya got there. Now, my, my guess is she's killed enough dead that she could have taken the face of one of the dead and been hiding in the horde and then found her moment and exploded. That's how I would justify it if I were one of the writers of Game of Thrones. I'm curious if that's ever going to be fully explained. Yeah, I mean, they that was another bit, too, where they explained in the after the making of portion where they're like, we want you to not think about Arya as the one who's going to do it. I kept waiting for ghosts to come back. I kept waiting for I'm like, oh see the way the reason the direwolves disappeared in the beginning is because he's gonna make the the save at the end like the Velociraptor in Jurassic World remember that <laughs> that was another uh, that was another movie that I thought it it looked like when Arya is running around the castle it kind of looked like Jurassic Park to me that where the chase scenes are going on going you're kind of ducking and diving and and all this stuff but yeah I. I, so what did they say? What did they, they say? We, they just didn't want anyone to. They didn't want you to think about her, but they had known for the last three seasons she was going to be the one who does it. She would be the one who brings down the Night King. So they'd known it. Mind you, they know it. I don't know if that's what George R.R. R. Martin's going to do when he finally writes the final book. Although there's supposed to be two more books now of, the, of a song of, 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 of uh, Fire and Ice. But... Um, yeah, that should be that 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 should be interesting. That they always knew Arya was the one who's going to bring down the Night King. Did you find it to be anticlimactic because it was like this it was it's been built up since episode 1 in season 1 about the Night King. And then we get here and there's three episodes left and the Night King's gone. Like that that whole storyline is now over. I actually Personally, I'm I'm cool with it because I thought that the more interesting aspect of it would be a depleted army under Daenerys going to go fight Cersei. So now you've got it. So now we've got dragons and elephants and wolves and all sorts <laughs> of stuff that are going to get. And now there's more like strategy that goes into it. But I know that there were some people who were like. I don't know, like, the, that felt empty to them that it was over. And my thing was, you got 70 minutes of battle. You got 70 minutes of, from from dusk till dawn, right? with, with this thing, I found it satisfying. But, yeah, it's, it, you're right. It, it, the episode itself, I found very satisfying. It was like, wow. Um, they're going to have people, they're going to have people who are going to nitpick it apart. And, and, you know, that's what people do. Um, but now I want to see how the next three episodes play out. Um, because, yeah, I was expecting more of a sort of a confluence of things where it's the Night King and the Iron Throne, all that stuff being resolved really in one big battle. But now it's like, okay, boom, Night King done. Now let's move on to the, the Cersei and, and the Lannisters and, and the, the Starks back to that whole thing, which... 
you know, is interesting, but I, I don't think you're going to be able to do the same amount of 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 drama and wordplay in three episodes that you've been doing over how many seasons. But and there's also other stuff that you got to figure out. You got to figure out who's really going to be in charge because we've already seen Danny be like, "Well, wait a minute." You're acting like you have a claim to the throne, and you're acting like you have a claim to to the throne. That makes you a threat. And you know how I deal with threats? <laughs> Dracaris. That's how I deal with threats. <laughs> so, so there's also that aspect of it to figure out, like how now that they have survived this, what then becomes the the focus for everyone as far as who's in charge of all of this. I think it would be awesome if Tyrion ends up being the guy in the Iron Throne at the very end. With Sansa as With his Sansa wife. With Sansa as his wife. Something like that. I mean, it, it's a, I mean, again, and also that whole, the political play of it um, has all, to me, was always the most interesting part of Game of Thrones. Because I'm not so much a soap opera person, because to me, like when you watch regular soap operas, you can tell the writers are cranking out dialogue, but you know, you know, 70, 80, 100 pages a day, and the character motivations don't always make sense, where they've been very consistent with Game of Thrones as to what everyone's motivations are and their story arcs and where, where each character is supposed to go. The only one I'm kind of disappointed in right now is Tyrion, because these first three episodes, the guy's been nothing. He's been a doorstop. He hasn't given any... Um, any sort of insight that's helped anyone, and they pretty much tucked him away in the crypt. Well, and you know? he talked about it in yeah. the episode where he says, "You know, maybe I could see something that someone else couldn't see." And they're like, "Nah, you'd be no, dead. You're homie. done. Yeah. <laughs> you'd be dead." So, it was like they kept. They keep. I know that they kept thinking, "Oh, viewers are going to expect this. Viewers are going to expect that some moment." Tyrion's going to come up and go, oh, da-da-da-da, and turn that around. Or there's going to be some sort of save in another direction. And and they were very, I think they were very self-conscious of that. So, so which is why they, they kept, you know, they kept telegraphing a punch that never came. 